As we come to God's Word this week, we're going to hear from Acts chapter 3, uh, reading verses 19, 20, and 21. These form part of a sermon that Peter stands up to preach, having received the Holy Spirit at Pentecost and then going out to the crowds gathered in Jerusalem for uh, the Feast of Passover. He stands up and preaches to them to tell them that they have been waiting for the Messiah and they've missed him. They've rejected him. In fact, they are responsible for his death. And as the crowds come to him and ask what on earth they're supposed to do in light of this, Peter tells them these words. He says in verse 19 of chapter 3, Repent therefore and turn again that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. This is God's Word, and we thank Him for it this morning. Rest is something that we all need. And yet we all sacrifice rest for the sake of getting more done, especially at this time of year, which means that we're more tired and more in need of rest than usual, and so the cycle runs on. There's always more to do. On average, we need around eight, seven to eight hours sleep a night, and we need at least one day a week off to think of something else other than the normal daily routine that we all have. Think about anything else and let our brain relax and just rest for a while. And yet, that is the one thing, our rest, that we're willing to sacrifice to get stuff done. Christmas is supposed to be a holiday a time of rest to be refreshed, and yet every year it it turns into a rampage around the shops to buy food and to buy gifts, and then a few days of frantic cooking and serving, and then trying to wash all the dishes and clean everything up after the chaos of, of the meal and opening presents and having family infest our homes and whatever else it might be. And all of this sets us up wonderfully for the insanity of the sales that follows. As soon as Christmas is done, people are online desperate to get the best bargains. The January sales start and we're um, going down to the shops in our droves to try and get bargains. Although whether that happens this year, I, I, I don't know. It looks more like a war zone than a time of rest and relaxation before work begins again and we're just cast right back into the daily routine. On top of all of that, this Christmas is a bit of a strange one for many because of the stress of this year. Most of us will need more rest than ever this year, and yet because we've got a chance to meet with our family, perhaps this year we're going to be more stressed than ever because we so want that time to go well. We want to make it special, and yet we're stressed that we're maybe going to catch COVID and in this time where the government's saying you're allowed to meet with your family but we really rather that you didn't, perhaps the whole thing is now tinged even more with a sense of anxiety, of anxiousness. It's not a time to let off steam and enjoy ourselves. It's a time to worry about what January is going to bring. What will 2021 bring? The problem we have is that we all require rest. God has built that need into us. We, we, we need to sleep and yet we don't know why we do. There are many reasons scientists have deduced for, uh, for why we sleep, but there is no real consensus about why we sleep. 
There is no real reason why we should ever need to switch off and down tools. We don't really know why that is, and yet it is essential to our well-being as humans because God has baked it into us from the very beginning. And rest eludes us for all manner of reasons. And for this reason, when we come to this season, perhaps more than ever at this time of year, it's essential we understand rest. Where our rest truly comes from. What rest actually really is so that we are able to weather the season and get into 2021 and do so with a sense of hope and expectancy. That we'll be able to deal with whatever 2021 brings knowing that we will constantly be able to rest properly and be refreshed. It is possible to live and enjoy refreshment that builds us up without having to take three weeks holiday and just get away from it all. Or to spend all of the money that we've saved up all year on food and presents or whatever else it might be. And by seeing what that true rest is, we find who we really are, who God has made us to be, and how He wants us to live growing and thriving regardless of what goes on in our daily lives. And so as we come to this passage, we find that we are called to live at rest by first turning from sin in verse 19 of Acts chapter 3. The pilgrims have all turned up in Jerusalem for the Passover. They've all come for this great feast to celebrate God's deliverance of them as a people from the land of Egypt and from slavery and deliver them into the promised land where they became a people and knew God as their God in their land where they could rest and be made whole. That was the whole purpose in the Exodus. The whole purpose in them laying claim to the land of Canaan was so that they would know rest peace, that they could worship God and have God lead them and guide them. That's what it was all about. And as they gather in Jerusalem for Passover, they find Peter standing up after Pentecost. So Jesus has died on the cross. He has been raised again. He has instructed his disciples to wait in Jerusalem until he ascends to heaven and the Holy Spirit is sent to fill them and empower them. And when that happens, go and preach the good news. And this is what Peter is doing and the rest of the disciples are doing in Jerusalem. So these pilgrims that have come for a great celebration of the fact that God has saved them hear this man saying that they have rejected the very God who came to save them in the first place. They've been longing not just to celebrate God saving them in the past, they are looking to the future in the expectation that God's Messiah will again lead them by the hand out of slavery under the Romans and will liberate them so that they can be at rest, at peace in the land, they can be restored and refreshed. And Peter says, God sent that Messiah, that Savior, and not only did you miss him, you killed him. You nailed him to a cross. You're guilty of his blood. And this understandably causes not excitement and anticipation, but terrible distress and anxiety to fall upon the, the pilgrims in Jerusalem. The thing that they long for has already come and they've missed it and they've killed their Savior. So God must surely now have abandoned them. If you kill the Savior, there's no one left to save you. You're lost forever. And on top of that, you've surely angered God by turning against the very one that He sent to be your Savior. And so, as Peter preaches this message, 
and doesn't pull his punches, doesn't say, there, there, it'll be okay, it's all going to be fine because God will just overlook it. He lays the blame squarely on them and says, this is your responsibility. However, do not fear. There is still hope. In verse 19 and following, he says, whatever has happened, what needs to happen now is that you repent and turn back to God, that your sins might be blotted out and that times of refreshing will come through God's presence. You will know God's presence through this Savior Jesus that you have rejected. So turn to Him that He might come and rescue you. They'll be able to walk through the rest of their lives, Peter is telling them, knowing that God hasn't turned away from them, despite the fact they've turned away from Him, but will welcome them into His family, that they can know His very presence in their lives if they will turn from their sin, confess it, and cast themselves upon His mercy, upon the very one they rejected Him. They'll have to swallow their pride, and they'll have to turn to Christ. And we can understand, I think, how this will lead to their rest, their refreshment. Because they will live in that moment of great anxiety, wondering if all is lost, just as we perhaps have done in times in the past. Maybe as a school pupil or as a university student or as an apprentice, you have gone through a time of of testing, you've had exams or tests to do, and there is that moment when the exam is complete, you're done, and now you simply have to wait until the results come in. And you have that gnawing sense of anxiety about, how did I do? Did I even pass? Have I done enough? Have I achieved the, the, the grade that I wanted to achieve? And that sense of anxiety and worry gnaws at us, peace flees from us, and then the results come and we find that it has all worked out. And that sense of of joy and happiness just floods over us and we feel rest. We feel that ability to breathe, that everything hasn't gone horribly wrong. Perhaps we've gone to the doctor, we've been worried about our health, we've undergone tests and we have that sense of anxiety about whether the results will come back well or, or not and we go back to the doctor and the results have come in and everything's fine. And again, that sense of relief floods over us. Everything's going to be okay. I was in a sense of great distress and turmoil and anxiety, but now rest has come. I can go home and I can go to my bed tonight and rest. We all understand that feeling that those... uh, that those pilgrims in Jerusalem felt when Peter delivered this message, you are responsible and yet salvation is at hand. (sighs) Chance to breathe, to be refreshed, to be reinvigorated. My life isn't lost. My Savior has come. I can know Him. I can follow Him. Everything that we have been promised can now come to pass. It's all going to be all right. This is what the Jews in Jerusalem feel. They know they were lost beyond a shadow of a doubt and that filled them with dread and yet the message of hope came. If they would cast themselves upon God, if they would know His forgiveness, that Christ has come to be their Savior, then all will be well. And we know that they did do this very thing because in Acts we read that the church, which was only a couple of hundred people at most at the beginning of the book of Acts, after this sermon is preached and is preached by others, other disciples in Jerusalem, thousands of Jewish pilgrims, 
become Christians, they confess their sins, they cast themselves upon the very Savior they rejected, and they know this transforming salvation that Jesus brings. They know this peace, this sense that all will be well for our Savior has come, and although we had missed Him, we have now laid hold of Him, and we are never going to let go ever again. And we find that we are no different today. We are made in God's image. And so we need to know God. That's what it means to be made in His image, to be made after His likeness. The animals, the plants, the planets, the stars, none of these things have been made in God's image according to His likeness. They've been made by God. But there is something about mankind that sets us apart. And it is this, that we must know God. We must spend time with Him. We must glorify Him. We are built for that purpose, to find our rest in knowing Him and His presence. This is what we were made to be. This is what we were made for. And we constantly try to find our rest, our refreshment in almost anything else. Sin keeps us constantly from God. And in order for us to know rest, sin must be torn away and cast aside from us so that we can be set apart for God to know Him and love Him and respond to Him and be made part of His family. And just as with the crowds in Jerusalem, the only one that can deal with our sin is Jesus. We confess it to Him. We ask that He would forgive us and that He would make us new, that He would become the focus of our attention, that we would constantly live in back and forth with Him, constantly confessing our sin, constantly um, having Him come to us and bless us and build us up and encourage us so that we sin less and less over the course of our days. And as we do so, we are made new. We are made to know our God. We are drawn into relationship with Him. And in the end, we find our rest in that relationship. When we come to Christ and confess our sins, Peter tells us they will be blotted out. And what he's talking about here is something in the ancient world that we don't really have anymore. When they wrote on papyrus pages, the ink that they used didn't bite into the papyrus and bind with it, and it sat on the surface. So if you had a piece of papyrus that you had used and you wanted to use again, you could take a sponge and fill the sponge with water and just wipe away all the ink, and it would be washed completely clean. And it is as if it had never been written on in the first place. And this is what Jesus does, Peter says. When you confess your sins to him, you find that all of the sin that is written all over your life is taken and is washed off and it's like it was never there in the first place. And Peter says in this passage that that is where our rest, our refreshment comes from. God wipes it away and it's like it never existed. He will never hold it against us. The things that we've done, the things that we said, the things that we ought never to have thought, all of those things are carried away and done away with so they were never there at all. We are free from the burden of guilt of all of those things. And we're also free from the shame of knowing that we've offended our God. And as we are freed from that shame, we are given that sense that all will be well 
that nothing can come between me and my God, the one I was made for to know and love and have loved me. I'm, I'm free indeed. It gives us a new start and a new trust in the one who saved us because if he did everything necessary to save me, then I can trust him to do everything necessary to lead me through my life from this point on. And so as we read scripture and we meditate on it, we chew over it in our minds, we find that God leads us as we listen to his voice and seek out ways to put it into practice regardless of how much it costs because we know this will be the right way. If he's gone this far to save us, then he will never tell us anything to lead us back to the very thing that he saved us from in the first place. So it will cost us dearly, perhaps, to follow his word, but we know we can trust it will be the right thing that will lead to our flourishing, to our blessing, to our peace, our rest, our refreshment. What an amazing Savior we have in Jesus. And we find that we live at rest if we repent if we confess our sins to him. We find in verse 20 that we live at rest if we know God's presence. Peter tells the crowds uh, that they know that they have their sins forgiven in Jesus, uh, and as their sins have been blotted out by Jesus, they will know times of refreshing that come from the presence of the Lord. They will know that he truly has appointed Jesus to be their saviour and that he is close to them. Now, this is what the crowd had assumed would happen when the Messiah came. That's what they come and they celebrate in Passover. God saving them, drawing close to them and leading them out of Egypt. And when the Messiah comes in the future, Israel will be, in a similar way, refreshed. It will be restored. It will be a place where there is peace and blessing and prosperity as God's people live under the rule of their God without fear of other nations coming in and, and taking all of that away from them. God will live with his people and they will know him as their God. And yet Peter is saying to them, this is still true. It's just not going to work out in the way that you first thought it would. The refreshing that will come with Jesus is something they will all receive, not nationally as such, but first individually as Jesus renews them as individual persons, reorientates them round to face the way that, that God desires them to be, and then they go and live in that way. And as a people, as they all come together, all reformed and informed by this good news of the gospel uh, that Jesus has come to, to save them, they will worship God together in light of his great goodness. They will serve God together, um, blessing one another, building one another up, learning together, growing together, and then they will go out into the world together and be a light to the nations and tell the whole world that Jesus has come to be their saviour. And instead of the presence of God being something that sits only in the temple in Jerusalem that they go to, but then they leave to go back out and live their daily lives, as they have been renewed by God, His Spirit lives within them individually. So they carry Him with them wherever they go. And as they meet together, just two or three even gathering together in the name of God, He is there in their midst, present with them because he lives within each one of them. They will never live absent from the presence of God ever again, because they individually have been renewed. 
So when Jesus leaves his disciples and tells them to wait for his Holy Spirit to fill them before they go out to preach, when this happens, his disciples know the very presence of God. They're filled with power and with the ability to speak by God's Spirit. So when they go and tell the the, the pilgrims in Jerusalem this, they know exactly what they're talking about. They know God's presence in a way they never had before. They've experienced it in a new and in a powerful way. And so they know what it is to be refreshed and to be rested from the very presence of God itself. The presence goes with them everywhere. It constantly informs them and reforms them. It shapes them and molds them and guides them. What more do they need? What more do they need to be rest and rested and refreshed than the very presence of God renewing in them that knowledge that they are sons and daughters of His, that God will never leave them, will never forsake them, that as they read God's Word, they're able to understand it and apply it to their lives. God is constantly pouring Himself into their lives by His presence. It is the very essence of rest and refreshment, of renewal. They will never be lost again. They will never be cast aside. They will never wonder who they really are. They will never not know where they're supposed to go and what they're supposed to be doing. God will constantly be with them always, even though they've just rejected Him and killed His Savior. Amazing! And when we think about ourselves and why we can't rest today, we're not in Jerusalem for Passover. We're not agonizing over the coming of of our Messiah prophesied in the Old Testament and so on. There are all sorts of things, though, that cause us to, to lose our rest, even on holiday, even at Christmas time. The reasons are mainly to do with the way we see ourselves. We lose our sense of rest and refreshment when we don't know who we are. When we, we don't know what our lives are supposed to be like. We're sort of guessing and looking to an uncertain future. Maybe we are struggling with our own identity. Who am I? What am I? What is my life supposed to be like? We lose our sense of rest when we don't know where we're supposed to be going and what we're supposed to be doing in this life. What job should I have? Should I have a family? I don't know if I want to go here or there, if I should marry this person or not, if I should have that job or not. We lose our sense of rest all the time. And this causes great stress and great anxiety and it leads us sometimes to fall in on ourselves to just ignore everything outside, just indulge everything within my heart, because surely then I will find rest. Sometimes it drives us with great ambition and we forsake the care of anything else and all we seek to do is invest in our job, our school, our college, our university, in in our calling, in our family, whatever it might be. But we find in the end that these things cannot give us the rest that we need. We're on a constant anxiety treadmill, always seeking to do more, to do better. Because the moment we fail, we have this internal crisis that we ourselves have failed. And we don't know who we are if we're not that thing, that person, going that way. Well, we find when our sins are forgiven... God comes and takes up residence within us. His Spirit lives within us and constantly tells us who we are. We're sons and daughters of God. 
And as we read His Word, He constantly tells us what our lives are to look like. And if we live our lives in accordance with His Word, we will constantly be assured, not just of God's presence, but that we are His and that we are going in the right way. And whatever we're doing in this life, if it accords with His Word, then we are going in the right direction. We find that as His Spirit takes up residence within us, our lives are not necessarily made easier but they are given direction and purpose. And so we're able to overcome great difficulties because we know where we are to be going. We know what we are to be doing and we will be able to do anything as long as God's Spirit goes with us to keep driving us along that particular path. And although we might have an easier life, or so we think, by disobeying God's Word and living however we please, we will constantly be undermining our own foundations. We will constantly be denying our new identity in Christ. And of course, this will only cause us distress, anxiety, fear, and worry. When you want to get into better shape, you know what to do, don't you? When you want to be a healthy person, you know what to do. You eat healthy, and you exercise, and you get sleep. The kind of person that is in good physical shape is the kind of person who eats healthy, exercises, and gets sleep. Those two things, the identity and that way of living, go together. You cannot be one without the other. If you have the one, you will have the other. They are bound together, and so it is with the Christian life. We can live whatever kind of life we like. We can do anything we please. We can go anywhere we want, but we will always be denying who we are and the one who made us. In the end... The Christian life, Jesus, Peter, Paul, James and John in the New Testament tell us again and again and again is a life of obedience to God's Word because of the new nature we now have. What does Peter say to the crowds will happen when they repent and turn to God and know His presence? Christ the Messiah, the Savior, will be theirs. If they want rest and refreshment, they will know Christ. They will give up everything to know Jesus. They've rejected Him. And in order to know Him, they're going to have to give up on their whole identity because their identity was what led them to reject Jesus in the first place. But in giving up all to know Jesus and to love Him and serve Him, they will know real refreshment that goes way beyond anything they could have hoped for that might have come through obedience to the law and not knowing the presence of God. This means we can know God's presence in our lives when we turn to Christ. His Spirit will lead us and guide us and we will not only be driven to the Bible to hear His voice, we will be compelled to come to Him in prayer so that He will hear us. We will bring Him into the very fabric of our lives. We will want Him to be involved in every decision we make. We will want Him to be involved in every place we go, in every relationship we have, in all that we do in prayer is how we bring Him into all of that. Because if God is not at the center of this thing in my life, I don't want it. It's not worth it if God is not at the center of it all. We find to live at rest, we must confess our sins. And to live at rest, we must know the presence of God in our lives. And lastly, we find to live at rest, we must trust in the future that Jesus himself secures in verse 21. 
Peter tells the crowd that this isn't everything. They can be forgiven, they can know God's presence, but God isn't done yet. Their rest just isn't found in their lives and their children's lives just running on and on forever in this same way. There will come a day, Peter says, when this world and its order will stop and God will renew it completely, will restore it to something better than it now is. He will remove sin completely so that we can live in peace and harmony with God without our world, without our culture, our society, our own lives constantly working against us and leading us off in the wrong direction the whole time. Jesus is our appointed Savior, he says in verse 20, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. He's saying that Jesus will remain absent from the world in person, physically, for a time until God's plans have been worked out and the fullness of time has come. Then he's going to return and restore everything, make everything new without sin, as it was in the beginning in Eden, only better. And this is what the prophets have spoken about from the beginning. And now, Peter says, this plan is being put into action is being worked out and the day is drawing nearer and nearer and nearer. So fasten on to that day, lay hold of it and use that as your hope to get you through present day difficulties because there's a day coming when all will be made new. And so we're able to live at rest now knowing that no matter how difficult life gets, there's a day coming when it will all end. When we will know joy and peace and harmony and unity that transcends anything we have known in this life. So I can hang on for now until that day comes. And we understand that, don't we? We do this the whole time. You go on a long car journey or a long flight to go on holiday somewhere maybe. And you endure the journey. It's not enjoyable. Nobody wants to do this, but you do it to get to the end. If you weren't going to enjoy that the holiday or or the destination you were going to, you would turn around halfway after the journey's gone on for hours and you just can't take this anymore. You would just turn around and go home. But you hang on because the destination will be worth what we've gone through to get there. There's an end coming. It's the same with the medical treatment that we receive for various illnesses, sometimes it can be long and harrowing and arduous and we wonder why on earth we're doing it and yet we endure through the discomfort, the, the, the medication that we constantly have to take, what it does to each one of us as we take it in order to get to the end and no good health again. We hang on by looking to the future, not focusing on what's going on right now. Paul and the writer of Hebrews tell us that we run life like a race. We train ourselves, we discipline ourselves, and we run and we run well because we want to cross the finish line and get the medal for finishing the race. We cast off anything, everything that's going to stop us from getting across that finish line. And when all the pain and the tiredness fade away, once we're across the line, we enjoy life on the other side, having run well and persevered faithfully to the end, knowing that what awaits us now is so much better than what we've just gone through. God has been leading us on the whole time by His presence. He's been 
telling us which way we're supposed to run. He's been correcting us when we've turned around and we've run off the track in the wrong direction. He has sustained us by encouraging us and cheering us on. And now we find He's standing on the other side of the finish line, cheering us on to come to Him because once we cross the line, we will have everything that we have ever dreamt of. And we will enter his presence and know the restoring of all things. So Peter tells us to know rest and refreshment today in light of what lies just up ahead. The ultimate rest that awaits us in Christ, our appointed Savior. You may look uh, for rest this Christmas season and you may feel that after Christmas is all done, Uh, that you are feeling rest and ready to face 2021 and all it will bring, but maybe you won't. Maybe that you're going to feel knackered, you're going to feel stressed and just done, and the thought of going back to work is is just one thing too many. And yet, whichever one you are, however you feel, know that true rest and refreshment will only ultimately come, not from holidays, not from family or food or friends, as great as they are. But the only true rest will come from Christ, from repenting of your sin, from taking that massive burden that rests on your shoulders and casting it all at His feet and pleading for Him to deal with it. Turning to God for forgiveness. And knowing that when we do, God draws us close to Himself, comes and lives with us, and we know His very presence to lead us and draw us through all the experiences of our life from that day on. And then we will know rest as we hold on to the future hope that He gives us of a struggle that has ended and a joyous new life, a new world to enter into. This Christmas, I want you to know the rest the times of refreshing that come from knowing God, that you may be ready to face 2021 and all it brings. Know the peace that comes from God this Christmas because he has sent his son for you. Amen.